The Nature Podcast is supported by Nature Plus, a flexible monthly subscription that grants immediate online access to the science journal Nature and over 50 other journals from the Nature Portfolio. More information at go.nature.com slash plus. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome to Coronapod. In this show, we're going to bring you nature's take on the latest COVID-19 developments. And we'll be speaking to experts around the world about research during the pandemic. We're entering a new era now. We have new COVID strategies. There's some new unknowns and we've got a vaccine. Hi, listeners. Welcome back to Coronapod. I am Benjamin Thompson, once more in the South London basement. Noah Baker's out this week, but I'm joined on the line from Washington, D.C. by Nidhi Subaraman. Hi. Very nice to be here. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that I'm sure has maybe played on the minds of a lot of our listeners, and, and certainly it has with, with friends of mine. And it's not something that, that we've talked about on the podcast before, and that's the effect that COVID-19 may be having during pregnancy. And that's something that you've been looking at for nature. Now, lots to discuss on this one. But I guess if we kind of head back maybe to the start of the pandemic, I mean, there was, as with so many other topics, a, a real scarcity of data on this issue. Yeah. So if we rewind to February or March, just about a year ago, when certainly in the US, people were beginning to pay attention to how this pandemic might be affecting their day-to-day lives here. One of the big questions that quickly arose was, how does the disease affect pregnant people? Because, you know, at the time, some of the basics were still unknown. And I think friends of mine, certainly, and doctors too, were wondering what additional effects this additionally vulnerable groups should be aware of. The Doctors who I spoke to remembered being a little bit worried at the time because respiratory viruses are known to be a little bit more concerning for pregnant people because of a few different things. One is that literally the biology of pregnancy pushes up your diaphragm and decreases your lung capacity. So when you have a respiratory infection that affects the lungs, you become additionally vulnerable there. And it's known that influenza in the past and the H1N1 pandemic in 2009 was putting pregnant people in the hospital and was leading to, you know, instances of fatalities. So this was a big worry among maternal fetal doctors, OBGYNs, to figure out what was COVID going to look like. Yeah, and maybe before we talk about how some of this data was collected, maybe let's go straight to the headline then. What's the sort of prevailing thoughts thus far from doctors and researchers on the effects that this virus may be having? So the good news is that this is not the worst case scenario as far as respiratory viruses are concerned. Babies are mostly spared the worst, you know, effects of the infection. Mostly 
people are not seeing what is called vertical transmission, which is what happens when a mother who has SARS-CoV-2 passes it on to her baby. Those instances are very rare. They're also not seeing high rates of stillbirths when babies don't make it through because of the virus. Those are very rare. And although there is a higher risk of the baby being born early, preterm births, mostly those are being seen in the third trimester, which is when you know, the bad effects of an early delivery are, compared to the first two trimesters, minimized. So pregnant women are a higher risk group, but there are some some bright spots. Uh, mothers aren't dying. Rates of fatalities among pregnant people aren't especially high, although the risk is slightly higher. And they are weirdly less likely to show symptoms in the way that people who aren't pregnant are. That's something that came out of the biggest study of this group. And it's a little bit baffling still at this time, but it's something that doctors and nurses who do see pregnant people should be aware of. Some of the data that I saw from your feature suggested that, you know, good news that this isn't potentially the worst sort of case scenario, but that people who are pregnant are ending up in hospital, maybe at higher rates than those who aren't. So... The data is a little bit like weird on this question because the best data we have are from pregnant people who wound up in the hospital for any reason. So like they could have broken a foot and wound up in the hospital and been tested that way. So the biggest study that includes like 77, you know, cohort studies from across the world only includes women who wound up in the hospital. So it's not quite clear if somebody had a mild infection and never was tested because they never went near a doctor because they were advised, well, stay home and, you know, don't come in unless it's absolutely necessary. We don't know what the situation is there for mild infections. So that's a big question mark. So there's little data then on things like community rates of transmission and are people who are pregnant maybe more vulnerable in general we just don't know that at the moment yeah the data is a little bit limited in that aspect but a picture is coming together slowly Hmm. and how are researchers then sort of putting the pieces together to get a better idea of what's going on so back in march again when you know maternal fetal researchers obgyns were worried about this many of them who had been working on other questions to do with pregnancy or had been perhaps working with Zika, they sort of turned their work to COVID and they began plugging in with their hospital systems and gathering data from any of the patients who were coming in with COVID and tagging them if they were pregnant. So there were these little cohorts that you saw collecting in California and and Boston and and Washington State and Switzerland. And the UK, of course, has this massive data collecting system in place already affiliated with the healthcare system. So, you know, the numbers started racking up and the results of those have begun making it into the literature. The CDC's data also has begun showing up. In November, the agency published a, a big study that basically presented the data from over 400,000 women. That included over 23,000 women who had been tagged as being pregnant. But although data is now being collected, and you've told us some of the results that have been found, there is a significant gap in the data. And there's one question in particular that I think you've been investigating, and that obviously needs to be answered. And that's about vaccinations. Because I know that most of the vaccine trials that happened sort of last year didn't include pregnant women. And, And we know that in general, most, if not all, drug studies don't include people who are pregnant, right? 
Yes, this vaccine question has certainly been on our minds in the last months as the vaccines have rolled out in various countries as they've been approved. Two things were colliding here. One, it was still quite murky how and if pregnant women were a high-risk group and what the risks were. And secondly, as you just said, most drugs and vaccine trials per protocol, they don't include pregnant women. And so doctors who were seeing patients were faced with this question, well, do I tell them to get the vaccine because they are slightly at higher risk or not? And so far, we've seen most of the major agencies also a little bit equivocating and not, you know, issuing a blanket recommendation because pregnant people, pregnant women weren't included in these trials. That said, the first surveys of the vaccine in the wild are gathering this data. So the CDC and the FDA in the US are tracking pregnant women who have taken the vaccine to see if it has any effects. And as of February, 20,000 uh, people had been included in that data set. And, and Anthony Fauci said there were no red flags. There are, of course, surveys that are being run by researchers themselves, for instance, at the University of Washington, where they've put out the word that pregnant women who've taken a vaccine out of their own choice can log in their information and be tracked as a research study to gather this information retroactively. And some of the vaccine makers are beginning their trials now that the first phases are done. It's later than many researchers who study the ethics and study the space would like. And in some sense, researchers and agency leaders who run programs like this are making a fresh push or making a fresh call to the research community at large to rethink when and how pregnant women are included in these trials, but also trials broadly. And what did the doctors you spoke to have to say about all of this? Most doctors that I spoke to were hopping mad that there weren't instructions from agencies. And all of them said that they would recommend that pregnant women strongly consider the vaccine and take it in consultation with their doctor. They said they were on board with it, in part because, you know, and when I was doing these interviews, it was the mRNA vaccines that were first online. They said no aspect of that vaccine biology is known to be concerning. And when the WHO also put out its recommendations for the mRNA vaccines, they added language that said there is no known point of concern. It's just the absence of safety data that makes it concerning. So yeah, I mean, I would not like to be in that position. Where agencies and doctors seem to have landed is that if you are in a high-risk group because of your existing conditions or because you work in a job that puts you at high risk of exposure, then you should probably think about getting the vaccine rather than if you're at home and you're not at high risk because of those reasons. So that's where people have landed among the people I've spoken to. And if that's one of the, the really big questions, certainly as vaccines are getting rolled out, what are some of the other things that aren't really well understood that researchers really want to get a handle on in terms of COVID-19 and how it affects pregnancy? One question was how a mother's immunity transfers to babies. And this is if a mother is infected with a virus and goes through the course of the disease, the antibodies in her blood, do they transfer over to the fetus and is the baby then protected? That is a question that we have a little bit of data on that we still need to understand a little better based on the interviews I've had with researchers. They say that antibodies do collect in the cord blood. This is the connection between the fetus and the mother. But it's not known yet if the levels at which they are found 
are sufficient to confer the protection that the baby would need against this particular virus. The levels that they found are lower than some other respiratory viruses, but perhaps that's sufficient. Perhaps that's not. Um, the other question that came up a little bit is how this status of infection during pregnancy, if it has any longer term effect on a baby in its first years or, you know, even beyond that, there is a little bit of data that infections in a mother generally may put the baby at higher risk of certain neurodevelopmental conditions later on in their life based on, you know, a couple of studies. This has not been shown to be this case for SARS-CoV-2 by any means. It's too early for that. But some groups are tracking in the first year of birth our babies meeting their usual neuro goals. And then there's a question of how this may have longer term effects because of this general, you know, status of inflammation and infection being linked to this higher risk later on in life. Which I guess, of course, it is impossible to know right now, because here we are, what, a year and a little bit into the pandemic. But as you said earlier on, in the short term, babies seem to fare pretty well in terms of their immediate outcomes. Yes, babies are at slightly higher risk for landing up in the MICU, the neonatal intensive care unit. But by and large, babies are born healthy, they don't have respiratory infections, and tracked through the first, you know, couple of weeks, they're doing well. Well, finally, then, Nidhi, on this one, obviously a super important topic. But do you think things, lessons will have been learned in terms of data gathering, in terms of testing vaccines or what have you that will be learned in future research studies or in, or in future disease outbreaks, maybe? So I'm really curious if the tensions around when pregnant women are included in trials might see a renewed, you know, push uh, and if the pace of how fast, you know, vaccines developed this time and the way that science has changed around this pandemic translates to the question of when pregnant women are included in research trials. Well, let's call it there then. I will put a link to your feature article in the show notes to this week's podcast. Nidhi Subaraman, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.